Bang Bang. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the second in our series of special podcasts dedicated to the 100 greatest movies of the 21st century. Brackets so far, close brackets. Well, there's an exclamation mark there as well. It means I'll have to hold, redo the whole thing now. No, no, let's move. Let's press on. Let's press on. The first podcast was Team Empire, Team Empire podcast, talking about the, the 100 greatest movies of the 21st century. Brackets so far, exclamation mark, close brackets. But now we have reached out to our listeners. All three of them are here in this room <laughs> right now. Uh, no, we we, uh, we asked people to apply to come on the show and we had literally hundreds of responses and uh, rather than doing complicated background checks on everybody who applied because you just you just don't know. You just It could be a whole bunch of incels in here. Um, but I, I suspect not. I, I suspect not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I trusted to the, uh, to the old Tombola and uh, so we were delighted to be joined. We had a fourth lined up Sorry, Charyu Malhatra. Sorry, you dropped out this morning. I, I hope that you get better soon. But we are joined by Christelle Brewster. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm not too bad. Good, good, good. Nice to be in the booth. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. The grey depressing box. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. It's pretty bad. It, I thought it might be even a little bit smaller than it is, but it's not too bad. Oh, no, no, it's just spacious. Surprisingly yeah. spacious. And you've got you've got something we don't normally do, which is we don't put the Empire TV sign thing on behind Extra us lines. when we do the uh, podcast. So we just do it in a sort of grey, bleak, depressing shroud of, of nothingness. Uh, <laughs> so you've got that at least. Welcome to the podcast. We're also joined by Chad Armstrong. Hello, how are you? Have I got that right? Yes, you got that right. <laughs> Good, because I fucked Christelle's name up completely. <laughs> but we've cut that bit out so no one knows. But Chad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad. A little bit snotty, so I hope that doesn't come through too badly. <laughs> no, totally fine. Totally fine. And, <laughs> and last but not least, we have Luke Jones. Am I right, Nat? Yes. yes. Luckily, the most easy name to pronounce in the world. <laughs> Straight down the middle. No messing around there. Yeah, joining us all the way from Birmingham, but you've you've arrived somehow in person in the booth uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, only, only three minutes late, so that's quite good, really, for the, uh, the West Coast train. But well, yeah, no, this is uh, this is great. Right there you here. go. Well, thank you all for, for joining us. I, I've done brief background checks on you all. Uh, Christelle actually has had questions read out on the podcast on a number of occasions. I have. I remember that name, but <laughs> not your surname. Sorry for that. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's, before we get into the the top 100, we, we count down the films and we talk about omissions and your favourites and whatnot. Let's hear a little bit about yourselves. Look, tell us about yourself. Three sentences. It's like one of those terrible meetings you do when you go around the table. Tell us yeah. a little bit about tell yourself. Us, tell us an interesting fact about an yourself. An interesting fact. That sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so currently I work at the University of Birmingham in mm-hmm. research support, which is a job that no one knows if they haven't actually worked in research support. But essentially I help academics spend their research funding, make sure they do that. Uh, but that was a job I took about a year ago. Before that I had either a, uh, an exciting new uh, career or a midlife crisis, depending on which way you choose to look at it. But I actually worked in TV and film for a few years. So oh, wow. I okay. worked as uh, as an assistant director, as a runner, working through through a third AD, a little bit of first ADing, uh, most on a lot of BBC stuff, but then on some other productions. So um, Phantom Thread, I was involved with. Bloody hell! Impressive. A little bit of Christopher Robin as well. Just dropping these names Do early it. on in the podcast. Uh, so yeah, I, so. I might leave. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll look after us. And actually, this is quite nice because I used to do a bit of hospital radio as well back in the day. So this is kind of taking me back to that as well. So the sterility and the, <laughs> uh, the clinical nature of this room. If we can do a request for Gladys on Ward C at some point, then uh, that would be great. She may not make it, poor love. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, so, Chad, what about yourself? Uh, up until last week, I was a TV promo producer who just got made redundant. So, Oh, man. Uh, oh, I used no. to work for... Oh, no, fine. Voluntary. Voluntary redundancy. Oh, good. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, I used to work for <laughs> took the big uh, check. Scandinavian TV channels making promos for films and TV, which is great. All and right. now I kind of write uh, film reviews for a LGBT blog called The Queer Review. Fantastic. So Excellent. I snuck in to get the plug in. That's basically the only reason I'm here. <laughs> we'll, we'll do plugs at the end. Yeah, it's a bit like <laughs> Comedy Bang Bang. We don't have a song, but... And uh, Christelle, what about yourself? Well, I'm the most removed from the media, it seems. Um, I work for a software company in the city at the moment, but many, many moons ago, I used to um, program DVDs, produce DVDs, so I used to work on the Sopranos DVDs. That's, that's my claim to wow. fame. Okay. I, I, those Sopranos DVDs yeah. you've got at home, uh-huh. that was me, True Blood, me. I did a lot of HBO stuff. Are you the reason why Sopranos cuts to black? That was a mistake. Can I tell you, when I when I did that DVD, I was watching it, and because, you know, poke of the job, you get to see it early. I was watching, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> What's happened? So, um, yeah, I worked on those DVDs back in the day. So um, what, what did you do on those DVDs? Oh, we just program it. I'm, a, I'm in IT, so I program them. So literally the menus, we used to, um, if you press this button, it does this. I remember the worst thing that we have, we had to do were the Fox Family Guide DVDs. The language setup and the rules were, were mental. And uh, is it Final Destination? I did, I think. And you could choose a death and stuff like that. It was really tricky, the subtitles, sorting that stuff out. All that crazy stuff. That's what we used to do. Um, so branching DVDs and yeah. yeah. So, you know, if they pick something, they're going to die this way with the weights on their head and splat. Or if they don't, they'll die a few minutes later. So we used to have to sort out the, the subtitles so they fit and stuff like that. It was three. I think it's Final Destination 3, isn't it? They probably, first did the branching deaths. Yeah. That in was, Nazi's series. They were the bane of our existence. Yeah. But, um, Family Guy and those branching DVDs. And um, editing them for different territories, so stuff like Wedding Crashes had lots of stuff edited out because, you know, can't show certain things in certain territories. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, um, we just I just made sure that they worked. I didn't do the editing, but I made sure that the subtitles and okay. everything worked. That's blown my mind a little bit. That's oh, really? I didn't know. I just assumed that it was magic. Oh, <laughs> so no. <laughs> we spent <laughs> hours. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. So what made you move on from that? I thought I better get a real job. That's a real job? <laughs> <laughs> Where are DVDs now? Where are my company now? That's what I'll say. Black Mirror, that's just yeah. coming back, right? Choose yeah. your own, so. Yeah, I guess. DVDs and Blu-ray are going to be like final in like five, ten years' time. People mm. are going to be clinging to them. I, I, I think you're right, because I'm, I'm scared. You know, we've all moved on to our Amazon, our, we've got Netflix, and we buy things, but... What if I've heard horror stories of people losing their accounts mm-hmm. and then that's it? Mm-hmm. All your whole catalogue's gone. What yeah. are you going to do? So, but I, I don't even really, I don't even own a Blu-ray player. Oh, I know, right? I've got a DVD player, but I really want to. Um, but which one should I buy? Is this media going to be around for much longer? How much will things cost? You know, Laser, I will. Laserdisc, it's coming back. <laughs> Laserdisc. <laughs> it's bigger so they can fit more movies onto it. That's <laughs> it's like a yeah. you put up on your wall. Yeah. <laughs> In 20 years' time, just think, on eBay, your Final Destination 3 DVD is going to be going for hundreds. (laughs) People swapping vintage special editions in those cardboard boxes that fall apart. Of all the titles. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. Remember the old Warner Brothers DVDs when they first came out? Uh, This is now a nostalgia podcast. Uh, I I had pretty much all the episodes of Friends, and they only had three episodes per disc. Oh, wow. It was a huge ripoff. You used to go to our price, three for 20 quid. Did the yeah. Lord of the Rings one that you had to flip around? Oh, I can't remember. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that. Yeah, all of that. 
Well, you know, and also Blu-rays and DVDs and Laserdiscs are going to come in handy in about 10 years anyway because of the post-Brexit war. Uh, You can't shield yourself with... With streaming, can you? But nope. you can strap Blu-rays and DVDs to yourself and they make a rudimentary stab-proof jacket. So <laughs> so that's good. This is where the background check's coming. You realise you're in the, uh, in the booth with three paid-up UKIP members. Uh, I you sure you might not have now. Let's or... maybe move on swiftly, shall we, Luke? <laughs> All right. It's so. fine. It's, it's nonsense. <laughs> it's fine. It's, there we go. I think you've just nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's nonsense. Uh, right. So what we're going to do is, uh, now we... We have all been introduced to each other. I'm Chris, by the way. You all know me. You know how I earn a living. Um, badly. Uh, I'm going to open this new issue of Empire. Listen to that, folks. Any... Oh, God. Oh, this has gone badly. <laughs> there we go. All right. It's so, physical media. In, in this issue of, in this issue of Empire, it. which makes a handy stab-proof vest if you strap enough of them to your body... Uh, it's on sale right now in all good and evil news agents for just another week. So if you want to run rush, rush out and get to the issue and has loads of incredible essays and interviews and shoots with the directors and and people behind the 100 greatest movies of the century so far. Uh, but that's this is a list as voted for by critics and readers. Did you guys vote yes. in this list? Yes, I think I did. You did. Yeah. You think you did? I think I did. But you can't be sure. I'm I'm sure I did. Okay. Excellent. And uh, Luke, I don't think I did. Luke, I think it skipped me by. Disgrace. If you yeah. vote, you can complain. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, a, you're an active disgrace. Uh, do you remember what you voted for, Chad? Uh, yeah, I made a point of voting for films that I thought would be slightly underrepresented. So I did vote for both parts of the Richard Linklater Before Trilogy that are eligible. And I'm very glad they both made the list. Ah, did you think they would? Or would you, did no, you think you would I actually, just... well, I thought one of them might. And I was glad that, uh, you know... Uh, before Sunset and before Midnight both made the list. Christelle, I do you remember what you I voted for? I can't remember what I voted for. I, I really can't, I'm sorry. Did you vote for Final Destination 3? <laughs> I didn't vote for Final... De- I didn't vote for that one. I'm sure it I voted for vote, some kind of... There were too many of them. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because there's not a lot of horror on this list and uh, Final yeah. Destination 2 in particular is an absolute blast in that franchise and if you were to go over something that was a lot of fun. I'm not saying it's one of the 100 greatest movies of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. By any stretch of imagination, maybe 101st, but uh, you never know. <laughs> Are you looking for your list, just in yeah, case? I'm just looking at my um, things that were missing, and uh, there's... All right, we'll get to that. We'll get yeah, to that we'll get at the end that. of the we'll podcast. Yeah. So how, how this is going to work is, if you listen to the last podcast, we went through film by film. Uh, that took, frankly, far too long. So we're going to go <laughs> through uh, in blocks of 10. And if there's anything you want to talk about on that list, then just talk about it and we could discuss these movies so let's go from 100 to 91 and the films are in 100 dead man's shoes 99 let the right one in 98 captain america civil war 97 ex machina 96 guardians of the galaxy 95 a prophet or a prophet or un prophet if helen she's going to come <laughs> crashing the wall in a second now to correct my pronunciation 94 Batman Begins, 93, hang on, Luke, you may have to recuse yourself from this conversation, Phantom Thread, Mm. interesting, 92, Baby Driver, and 91, In the Mood for Love. Luke, what did you do in Phantom Thread? 
So I did a few dailies down here in London. So it was mostly shot in, of course, the house that forms uh, Reynold Woodcock's home itself. Uh, and I had no idea, actually, when I first got involved, that's what it was. Because often when you're working in TV and film, it's, it's just a job, right? Someone says, oh, come down for a day and we'll pay you to do some stuff. So went down and found out it was the new PTA film and that was massively exciting. Uh, but on the back of that, I got invited up to Blackpool which is where they filmed oh, okay. the New Year's Eve stuff was all oh, in Blackpool oh, yeah, Tower yeah. Ballroom. Was that amazing? That was some of the shots from that that uh, where they're mm. dancing with the balloons on the floor mm. and they're they're to get on oh, the light yeah, is so wistful. It was absolutely incredible. And incredible to watch as well cuz um when you're involved in these things you have an, a feeling that this is essentially what the film's going to be about. I mean, when you're involved we shot that for a week. Three days setting up the marionettes, I think, then a day of shooting, then a day of, of smashing everything up at the end. And so in your head, you think, that, wow, that must be like an hour of the film, right? We've just shot. We've, we've done that for, <laughs> for five days solid. That must be, you know, huge. And then you go into the film and I think it's, it's pretty much like two scenes, right, in the middle of the film during the New Year's Eve section. Um, but it looks incredible. Um, I... I think I wore my Fitbit out on the day because if you know Blackpool Tower Ballroom, it's on like the third floor mm. and none of the gear, of course, would get in the elevator. So we're having to cart stuff up and down these stairs. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of extras as well. So it's like organised chaos when you're involved with these things. But it was such a good, good fun week. I mean, you know, you hardly sleep when you're doing these things, essentially. So I yeah. think I was rolling into bed in the early hours of the morning, sleeping for a few hours, and then back out. So it's quite a surreal experience. By the end of the week, you do kind of feel like you're part of this mid-20th century fashion scene but <laughs> yeah no, it, was, uh, it was fascinating I have these these images in my head of Daniel Day-Lewis and PTA hitting the golden mile afterwards and going down <laughs> going down to the pleasure beach <laughs> on the donkeys yeah <laughs> riding a big one but, <laughs> which is a lot of fun um, yeah. uh, so that film it's one of the most recent films on the yeah. list. It is an absolute belter. Uh, and uh, the problem, sometimes the problems with lists like these, even though they're applying to the last 20 years, is that people have short memories and they can just go for the last things they saw. That doesn't seem to be the case here, but this is PTA's most recent film. A worthy entry, Christelle? I enjoyed it. I, I, I did. It was, I think I didn't see it when it came, uh, was out in the cinema, um, but when it was on streaming, I did catch it. Because everybody was going on about it, um, talking about the way it uh, ordered his food and stuff like that. So I was interested. <laughs> um, and I, it was surprisingly funny. I wasn't expecting it to yeah. be as funny as it was. So I I really, I latched onto that. I appreciate the humour, the dark humour in it, you know, the way that she would needle him. Yeah. And I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. It was a departure from his other films, I'd say, kind of. You know, not as violent, I suppose... She did retaliate in a more subtle way. There's an emotional violence to, yeah. to this film. Yeah, yeah, not as um, brutal as maybe um, his other films. So I didn't. I did like this one. It was good. It, I, I don't mind it being on this list. I have no no qualms. No with objections. It being here, Chad. I'm surprised it's so low. To be absolutely honest, uh, both okay. it and in the mood for love. I expected both of those to be kind of, I guess, like around the 50s. So that surprised me that it was sitting so low. Okay. Because um, it's a beautiful film. Absolutely. Oh gorgeous. yes, it like, is. I, and especially compared to everything else around it on the list, it feels far more prestige than mm. the other films that are stuck in this bracket. Yeah. Well, Ex, yeah. Ex Machina is quite a good-looking film in a different way. 
In a different way. In a different way. I'd say let the right one in is uh, maybe also slightly prestige uh, yeah. But I, I see what you mean. Dead Man's Shoes it's very, is... It's very genre yeah. section. Yeah. It's quite a genre list in, in many, many ways. Mm. But I think that's you know, the way people naturally gravitate. Bar uh, and genres. Anything else in this top, this first ten, first nine? Um, I love Captain America Civil War a lot. And I mean, I, yeah, I'm surprised you know, it's I, I hate solo. Movies. <laughs> so. um, it's one of... I know you you were doing your it's my favorite one, but I think this is one of my. I'm not doing it now. Don't worry. Okay, I'll, I, it's my turn. <laughs> is this Chris's turn? Um, I think uh, I think when I went to see that one and the whole reveal of who killed Tony's parents, that kind of took it to a next level of what for me. Uh, you know, the emotional. You know, we're all well. Maybe not all of us are in, pre- <laughs> are, in pre- are in pretty deep with this stuff. So when it came to that, I was it took. I was like, what? They're taking it there? <laughs> this is personal. Your dressing was oh started. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. sorry to get my kit off. Do it. <laughs> to <laughs> reveal <laughs> my Captain America t-shirt at work. Yeah. My, my background checks didn't go that deep to whether you were, you were Marvel affiliated or not. But, in fact, uh, I have Wonder Woman underoos on as well. <laughs> we'll so get we're, to Wonder Woman. I have feelings about Wonder Woman. Dark um, man socks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I... And a Watchman, Captain, <laughs> Dr. Manhattan... But no. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a TV show, so we won't go there. Yeah, Um, that was very good. But um, yeah, so this is one of my favourites. I'm Mm. I'm a cap stan, so. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know. So I'm 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 even though he did the terrible thing. What terrible thing? And withheld the uh, the knowledge of the murderer of Tony's parents. You are. I'm. That was his friend. He was Tony's his friend. Yeah, but that was his new friend, like, just... Oh, right, right. Like, I see. I'm just so, only for a couple of years. First, kind of he knew him from, like, 100 years ago. So, you know. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, that's... So, yeah, so I'll, I'll stop. We'll get back to him. I'm Bucky's sure, the love of his life. You protect Bucky. Oh, my gosh. You know? <laughs> Sorry to go all no, hell, no, hell and no. on the way. <laughs> I'm with you. I'll tell you, when I saw this on the list, this low, I had to make sure I was Winter Soldier was higher. I was worried that yeah. Winter Soldier wasn't going to make yeah. the list. Because I think Winter Soldier's mm. the better of the two films. I, I, it's close. I, I think the emotional pull of the battle between Tony and but okay, I won't. I won't. Let's not make <laughs> this. Just started. I'm gonna get a yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. Wait, um, till, wait till we get to Infinity um, War and Endgame. See, I, I absolutely <laughs> love. I'm looking here now at uh, so 99. Let the right one in. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? There are some films that just imprint on you for yeah. a particular time period in the year, and there is something whereby whenever it snows, I have to watch Let the Right One <laughs> In. Really? 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 Okay. I'm just coming. We're recording this now, and uh, just heading down. The first snowflakes are starting to appear in Birmingham as well. So really. Maybe it might even have to be a rewatch some point in the next few days. Well, you got a train journey back today, right? Yeah. So well, that's well, two yeah, hours. Actually, I've got, in fact, I've got Ladybird because I've never watched Ladybird. So I've got oh, that really? stashed oh, okay. on the iPad okay. to watch for the way back. That okay. is a cracking film. That's yeah. great. I also do shout if there's films in this list you haven't seen yet. We can, uh, I will, we can I, I tell you how wrong you've been. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic I, I know I, it's just one that's passed me by. Um, I'm not against watching it or anything. Mm-hmm. I think I've caught Dead Man's Shoes late at night on Channel 4 or Film 4 or something like that. And I got hooked into it, um, and it, it made an impression because of the ending. You find out, you know, mm-hmm. what's happened with the brother. So mm-hmm. I really, I did enjoy that film. Batman Begins. I love Batman. Um, I remember in the run up to that film, I was so excited to see it, but then at a point, I was a bit dubious about the film. And then when I went to mm-hmm. see it, I was a little bit disappointed with it. I'm one of the few. Um, Has it- I, I, the whole oh oh look, he's a uh, 
rich and he can get all these things to make a suit. I was like, yeah, of course he's rich and he can get all these things. It didn't impress yeah. me so much and the twist was okay, but oh, so I, it has, I enjoyed it. hasn't it. grown for you because it's a film that's grown for me. When I first saw it, I liked uh, it. I thought it was okay, but as I've seen it more, I usually in ITV2, it's, yeah, yeah. it's been enhanced. It's, 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 it's good. I enjoy it. But we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll talk more about Nolan as well. Um, I'm sure we will because yeah. he's, the, he's the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, yeah. <laughs> most um, entries on this list. I think oh, seven yeah. of his movies are on this list. Wow. And the only movie I think that he directed in the 21st century that isn't on the list, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, listeners, is Insomnia. I think that's the only movie he made okay. in this century. I like that film. I love right. that. We're in 2020. <laughs> I'm saying this century. <laughs> technically, technically that is correct uh, alright let's go on to the next block of 10 so we have Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon at number 90 at number 89 Her Spike Jones's Her H-E-R not my accent saying Her uh, 88 uh, and we were slightly sceptical about this one in our uh, Team Empire podcast Sweeney Todd The Demon Barber of Fleet Street I've got to defend it oh really we're coming back to that one then uh, 87 Bridesmaids 86 Iron Man and uh, not the correct answer which is Iron Man 3 85 The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford and not the correct answer which is The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford 3 uh, 84 we have Coco 83 Francis Ha 82 Skyfall and at 80 one, it's those fucking prawns of District 9. All right. All right. All right, Luke. <laughs> Defend Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. Well, for a start, I've got really fond memories because I went to see it with my dad and he didn't realise it was a musical. So, of course, if you can picture the start of that film, he's gone into what he thinks is going to be this, this very gritty, dark hammer horror and Johnny Depp steps into frame and starts singing about London in his best David Bowie slash Anthony Newley impersonation. <laughs> he enjoyed it, but I don't think he could, he could quite, he didn't settle for the rest of the two hours. Um, and, and to go back to the thing of, of films that grow on you, it, it didn't win me over when I first saw it, but I found myself humming the music over the next couple of days and then went to the local HMV, uh, kids look up where HMV was, um, <laughs> to buy the soundtrack the next lunchtime, listen to the soundtrack, and then end up going back to the cinema to it. And yeah, it just just grew, it just worked its way into me. I think it is because it is so weird, right? You guys spoke about how it is weird. it's an unabashed, quite dense musical that is also really gory, really grim, and mm-hmm. features people eating one another. And it's just one of those films that you're amazed exists, and, and that's one of them. Mm, yeah. And also, possibly, I think the only Tim Burton film, and I loved Tim Burton of the 90s and 80s, mm-hmm. mm. and the only one I think that I've loved, maybe outside Big Fish, this decade so far. Interesting. Yeah, yeah good point. Okay. Um, yeah, I went to see it with my um, husband, now husband, and I remember he didn't know it was a musical, and he did, he switched on it. That was it. He was like, what? I'm out. Um, it was all right, but... I prefer my earlier Burton. Um, sorry. Yeah. But that's yeah. an impassioned defence. Yeah, right? like, fair enough. And I bet cinema's not being kind to Stephen Sondheim musicals. Mm. I mean, yeah, Into the Woods was... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten about that. Um, <laughs> to be honest. So, I, yeah, I don't know. The film did nothing for me. I love the musical. And mm-hmm. on stage, it's brilliant. And we've had some really, really great productions here in London with the Melter Staunton. But as a film, it just left me cold. It just yeah. left me really cold. It felt a bit Tim Burton by numbers in a way. <laughs> we had this discussion a bit on the previous podcast, but if you could replace this with any Burton from the 21st century, what would you oh, replace it with? What was it? What was it? So you got I Big said. Fish, yeah. you got uh, 
Dumbo. Big fish. <laughs> <laughs> you have Dumbo. You have uh, the Allison. Sleep One Miss Peregrine's Peculiar yeah. Home for Children. You got Alice in Wonderland. That's maybe not put that no. on the list. You got Frank and Weenie. You got Corpse Bride. It's not a complete busted flush, yeah. I'd say, Burton of the last 20 years. Dumbo, I thought, had a charm, for example. Yeah. yeah, I mean it, the question. Of those, it's Big Fish, right? I mean, Big yeah. Fish is the only one that that I would put in in the same league as his earlier stuff. Mm-hmm. Although, having said that, for as awful as it is, the Planet of the Apes remake does have a really good soundtrack. <laughs> so, occasionally going back to that, there are things to come out of it. And I mean, the makeup effects as well were incredible for that film too. Wow! And uh, the revised ending. I mean, I saw that in the middle of my teenage film going years, where I would watch any old shit at the weekend. Even <laughs> <laughs> me and my friend looked at each other at the end of that film and just said what the fuck did we just watch there it was, yeah. it was bizarre um, but yeah, it's, yeah it's not been a great 20 years for Burton no it hasn't uh, Chad anything else from this this block of 10 I'm just surprised Skyfall solo to be honest really I think it's probably one of the the you know better bonds of the century so far mm-hmm. I would have I mean, thought there, it would have been a lot higher there have been four oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but it was five such a, there been five it was such a blockbuster mm. like it was so massive at the time mm. And especially compared to, uh, yeah, so you know, Quantum or or the other debacle that came after, um, you know, Spectre? it feels like it was Spectre the Spectre. most respected of that lot. I, I agree. Yeah, it's it's the first Bond to make a billion dollars, the global box office, and uh, it's still the only Bond to do so. It's the first Bond to win a BAFTA in fifty years. It's the first Bond to win an Oscar in ages, even though it was for best original song, uh, which is a category you would have think. Bond, yeah. we would have thought yeah. Bond would have had so enough, but, yeah. but now, well, we'll see. Yeah, and it is a surprise because it is, I think it's a fantastic film, fantastic Bond film, and it, uh, they, they reinvigorate the, the franchise pretty nicely with this one. Yeah, I think because of what happened with um, Quantum, Quantum of Solace, I think everybody was worried about this one maybe, mm-hmm. and then when it came back and it came back so strong, probably that's why it's so highly regarded as well. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was it, Casino Royale? Which Casino Royale, we'll yeah. Get there. yeah. We'll get to um, that. Everybody was so excited about that and the drop-off in between these two films, so probably that's why it's 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 on the list because of the, the dip in quality in between those three, three films, but it wasn't the first one, so maybe they don't think it's the big one that made a splash when it you know came back with Craig and everything and it was different, and they were trying to maybe mm. emulate another set of films that aren't on the list. Let me throw this one at you then. Uh, Die Another Day obviously isn't on the list. That's the uh, the, uh, the only Don Craig Bond made this century. But has Skyfall's reputation taken a hit because of Spectre? Yes. I ooh, I don't know because of, because of Spectre. I think the more you watch Skyfall, the more you realise the plot's absolute bollocks. It makes no <laughs> at all. I mean, I do like the idea of a of a targetedly you know, your rammed tube train being thrown at somebody, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense in terms the of planning. The logistics of that. Yeah. I mean, how did he know? You have the timing so is many so ridiculous. Yeah. It's like the Joker. But when in you're on the, the ride, ride, you don't yeah. mind because it's a yeah. great ride. Yeah. It's like one of the Mission Impossible movies. It just, you go with it. It's a lot of fun. Don't think about it too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but I think on rewatching, you start to notice these little things. Yes. Like a giant tube flying through a wall. But it also, you suddenly realise it doesn't quite. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks so beautiful. It's the Deeks yeah. uh, doing Bond uh, with Sam Mendes. And there's some incredible images in this. It's one of the few Craig films, I think, that tries that sort of 
Connery Moore arched eyebrow humour mm-hmm. and gets away with it. For example, that, that tube sequence where he's running after the tube and you have the old couple on the platform who are commenting on him uh, trying to catch the tube. That's kind of funny. So there's the little nods. It feels simultaneously like the bonds of old, but also the bonds of new. Yeah, and what I think we've seen that defines Craig's bond so much is that for the first time he's actually got an arc within his yeah. films. So Quantum of Solace, for all of its flaws, you know, you're looking at someone who's grieving from the events of the previous film. Skyfall, of course, you know, he literally burns down the past at the end, doesn't he, as he walks away in that mm. incredible shot of uh, up in Scotland. I just, I just think that Crikey... Craig's Bond's career must have taken a real downturn, right? Because in the space of two films, he goes from being the fresh-faced double <laughs> yeah. to being knackered in Skyfall, right? I mean, he's on the he's on the chopping board, ready for being pushed out. I mean, that does kind of get forgotten about halfway through the film. Uh, but yeah, I, I love Skyfall. I, I, I'm a big Bond fan. I went to see this. You can't isolate sometimes how you are when you go to see a film, right? And it was just a really happy weekend. I was at a friend's wedding and we said, should we go and see Skyfall? Yeah, yes, I went off to see it and and it just blew me away. I mean, disappointed with how Spectre played out in the the next one, although I think there's still some really good stuff Mm -hmm. in Spectre as well. Um, But Skyfall is just, yeah, a towering achievement of Craig's. It's my favourite of Craig's so far. Anything else in this block of 10 you want to talk about? Um, District 9, loved it. Yeah. Loved it. I think I saw it at one of um Oh the, the Empire, Empire event. thing. Yeah, yes. that was ages ago. Didn't know what it was and yeah. I loved it. It was great. Was helping to Charlotte Copley and um Neil Bomcap. Um yeah. and Coco doing it um Pixar doing their thing. Love it. <laughs> making you cry. That's all they really need to do, to look beautiful and make you cry. Um <laughs> you know, weird concepts that somehow work. I loved it. Loved yeah. them. Chad, anything on your Strangely, own? it's also my Tinder profile. Most <laughs> people make me cry. Um, no, 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 nothing else for this. I thought it was just remember me. I'm glad to see Bridesmaids on the list. Oh, like, yeah. I think it's great to see, see a bit of comedy getting onto the list as well. Finally. One of the few. Yeah, one of the few. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's Fun great film. film. Also, great. like, shouting out for the comedy, it makes me realise, is Anchorman anywhere on nope. this list? No, nope. I think not. somebody was complaining cent- about that last time. century, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's no Anchorman in the list, there's no Dodgeball in the list, there's no Hot Rod in the list. There's a, obviously a bunch of Edgar Wright films, but uh, comedy is not well served by this list. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, so it's, it just interests me that I wonder, you know, do these things not stay in the memory perhaps? Like, are they thought of as more disposable so they don't hang around? I wonder if there's a feeling, you guys you guys actually voted in this, so you can probably tell me. I wonder if there's a feeling that when you're voting in a list like this that you have to go towards yep. the quote-unquote prestige films. I, that you have to be seen to be voting for films that have some weight and some significance, or at least, you know, that, that some perceived weight and significance. And it may be something as frivolous as a comedy, no matter if it's the thing that sticks with you, that you maybe think, oh, it's easier to make a comedy than it mm. is a drama. I, which I, is, I, I don't think is true. But I don't think that's people, true either, people but will, I do agree that yeah. people think, oh, well, uh, you know... What was the latest Oscar winner? What was nominated that year? And I think people are doing that because a lot of the films that I was looking at that had been missed off are like, you may laugh at me, but I was thinking, I was looking at the um, the films that had come out, you know, I really enjoyed the 2021 and 22 Jump Street films. Yeah, they're, they're great. great. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. It's a, <laughs> it's a goddamn classic, right? It's so funny. But, it, you know, I mean, it, it kind of flopped and stuff, but... These are things that stick with me, but when people come to, like you say, when people come to these lists, they don't, they're not going to be thinking about this. They're going to be thinking about Francis Ha and the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. <laughs> and, you know, because maybe because of the publication, um, they'll, they'll go, okay, yeah, we like a bit of Marvel. 
and they'll put that in. But these are the films that I don't have to think, what happened in that? Did I like it? Those are the ones that have stuck with mm-hmm. me more than some of the ones on the list that are here. So yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, Is it because it's probably the same with horror? It's the sense that the more you oh, watch yeah. it, the less an impact it has on you. So these films, yeah. they tend not to age as well. Like you need to take a break from watching comedy. Yeah. yeah. And you come, like you come back to the 80s comedies and you still find them hilarious now. But, you know, two years after they were out, you were like, well, I know all the jokes. It doesn't feel fresh. True. True. That's I, a good point. I think there's something in that uh, uh, to an extent, definitely. But I also think there is, going back to the snobbishness thing, I think there is a slight, there's a tendency to look down your nose at comedy and horror. We see it all the time in the award season. But also, I, I wonder if comedy and horror are the genres that there's almost a bigger dip off when you watch them at home versus in the cinema, right? I mean, comedy and horror mm. in a cinematic Maybe. experience. Because the first time I watched Anchorman, I watched it on a DVD back home, and I was—I think I was hungover at university, <laughs> and it, it, you know, it got a smile out of me, but it wasn't wasn't um, didn't blow me away. And then I watched it again a few days later with a group of friends, and was just in tears of laughter at it. Similarly, Borat, that first oh. cinema experience of watching Borat with what a classic. full cinema. <laughs> Where is Borat from this list? That was, was incredible. It's one of the best cinema experiences I've ever yeah. had. Yeah. Um, and it's still a very funny film, but it is very different watching it by yourself or with yeah. a couple of people at home versus in a cinema. But they have a, sometimes they have a greater cultural life. Like, you'll still quote Borat. I still say, my wife. So I play keyboard and I once did a, a wedding where the best man delivered his entire best man speech oh, in no. the Borat. <laughs> no. Did it work? Or uh, was it, it did not. Oh. <laughs> and is he still friends with a couple? That's the question. Yeah. He stuck to it, goddammit, and I applaud him for that. Because he did the, the whole five-minute thing. Much like the cast of Cats, just committed, just committed. <laughs> yes, he went for it. Bravo. Oh, my God. That's incredible. It's um, also because when you kind of come to vote for these things, you start looking on the internet for lists of great films. Yes. So they kind of self-select. So you look at all the yeah. Oscar nominees for the last couple of decades. And because comedies aren't on those lists, you don't instantly think about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's true as well. But look for look for example at the horror film, that's the the one the horror, horror film <laughs> that's been in the list so far, and it's something that is quote unquote a prestige movie. It's let the right one in. It's got a very serious director, a very serious subject matter. It's very weighty thematically, and Final Destination Two, which has incredible death scenes, doesn't, uh, and one of the best stunt sequences of the 21st century <laughs> so far, the uh, the highway pileup doesn't get anywhere near this list, for example. I don't know why I'm picking Final Destination 2 as the paragon of horror for the last <laughs> 20 years, but there we go. Um, all right, so let's get into the next block of 10. Uh, so yes. we go from number 80, chat like this, Woo! before midnight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Number 79, Little Miss Sunshine. Number 78, it's my fave, Michael Clayton. Number 77, Dunkirk. Number 76, Logan. 75, Training Day. 74, Old Boy, the... Original, not the Spike Lee remake. I <laughs> <laughs> have to specify that. Number 73, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number 72, Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. And I've just realized that the brackets are in the wrong part, <laughs> parts there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, you know, it's too late now. Uh, and finally, number 71, The Raid. Anything you want to talk about from that little list? I'm surprised Once Upon a Time made it so quickly into the list. That feels yeah. like a very... Very fresh film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I haven't looked at it yet, but that might be the most recent film on the list. I don't know. Maybe we'll come Did to it something. Did come out before Joker? Joker. Joker. Because Joker's I've on the blocked list. Joker from my mind. Yes. Yep. Joker is the we'll most. We'll get to that. Joker. Yes, we will get, we will get to Joker. Uh, yeah, well, I think it really connected with people. 
Uh, it really hit. It was a huge box office hit for, for Tarantino. Obviously, uh, didn't win as many Oscars as had once been predicted. But uh, yeah, people seem to, to love that film. Do you guys love that film? Yes. Have you seen you it more than once? Yes. Okay. Have you seen it more than once? I have, yeah. No, I, um, I'm, I'm firmly in the love camp. But my, my other half, she um, hated it. So it was one of those yeah. experiences yeah. where the lights come on. In fact, actually, the people who sit behind me in the cinema, I, they loudly said, well, that's three hours of our lives that we're yeah. never going to get back. <laughs> uh, wow. And yeah. I can see that because I was, I was in two minds after I first saw it, actually. I wasn't quite sure what I'd just watched. It was obviously very long. It was very immersive in that culture. But it's really grown on me. I, I, I do think it's Tarantino's um, most uh, heartfelt film outside of Jackie Brown. And I think what he's hit upon is a very clever way of honouring Sharon Tate and, and what happened with her. It's a very different film that plays once you know how the final mm. act is going to play out. Mm. Um, and I thought rather than doing that forensic true crime depiction of what happened on, on Cello Drive, what he does in restoring you know, her life essentially in cinema, I thought was, it was really affecting and has become more so the, uh, the couple of times I've watched it since. Um, I think... I was a lot more forgiven than my, my husband when we went to see it because he was he was a bit like your partner. Well, that's, that's a bit long, a bit boring. But um, I can see how maybe rewatching it when you know what's going to happen because it's it's a it's really weird because it's like a hangout film. You're just hanging out with these guys and it's nice to spend time with them and see how they get along, their problems. Well, DiCaprio's problems, um, these characters' problems. You know, getting older and it's. Good enough, but then when the tension starts to build in that ranch scene, it's like, okay, what's going to happen here? And you kind of you kind of sit up a bit, so you get into it a bit more, and then it kind of deflates, and you're thinking, okay, now well, what now? Um, and then when you get to that big, you know, crazy violence that we always expect in a Tarantino film, um, it's 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 good, you know, you release the pressure, but because you've spent all that time, it kind of it, it feels a bit, meh, you know, so I can get the frustration of watching it and not liking it. But I can, again, if you watch it again, I can see how, because you know what's coming, you can kind of sit back, enjoy It's a much out, easier watch and the then just time. Yeah. get ready for the crazy that's going to come at the end. But also to go back to that ranch <laughs> scene, which I, I love the standard it. scene it's of the great. film. And yeah. gosh, don't you want Tarantino to do a horror if the next one is the last film? I just want to see a Tarantino horror at this point in time. I want to see him playing in that wheelhouse. He's getting closer. He is getting closer. Yeah, because uh, I think there were elements of the Hateful Eight that were horror tinged as well, and uh, and he's he's got a great grasp of suspense and mm. yeah. generating yeah. tension. It's those long scenes, the tension yeah. ratcheting up, ratcheting up, you know, yeah. waiting and waiting. So yeah, it'll be interesting. And because anything can happen to anyone at any time in a Tarantino film, yeah. that would be a great thing for yeah. a horror film as well. Anything else on um, the on the ten? Chad, you voted for before before midnight. Yes, I love these films. These films are my favorite trilogy because weirdly, I'm about the same age as the characters. So every time, the fi- every time the film comes out, it uh, feels like like you're catch- checking up with friends who you haven't seen for the last ten years. So it's a really nice touching point. And of course, midnight's horrible because <laughs> they're having they're in a really horrible place in their relationship, yeah. and I feel bad for them, and I get really worried about the end, and I desperately want a fourth one just so I can end on a properly happy, cinematically cheerful note. Do you think it Not would the, though? I like the idea of them coming back uh, to deal with the couple as an old couple. Okay. To see that on film because I don't think we see a lot of that on film. No, we don't. Um, I think that midnight ends on. You know the 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 like the toe touching in bed. The kind of we've had a fight, but we're we're still in this, right? Mm-hmm. We're still in this, and 
but that ambiguity, I have friends who are married and it kills them not knowing what goes on with these two. <laughs> so shout out to my friend Chris who will be listening to this. He is the most diehard fan of these films that I've ever known and he finds this film quite gutting. Oh my God. So, oh, recently we interviewed all three of them and mm-hmm. uh, they said that they have started provisional talks Ooh. about doing a fourth yeah. at some point. So They're running behind schedule. <laughs> what is the schedule? It's usually every like seven to nine years. Okay. Like they start thinking about it about seven years after, and then around nine years yeah. later, it comes out. Yeah, because before sunsets, what two thousand four? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah, uh, two thousand thirteen for before midnight. So actually, they're, they're buying on schedule, aren't they? Well, they need to be releasing yeah. soon. They okay, need to be filming. It's linked later. He can make yeah, a film in three weeks. It's totally fine. <laughs> three weeks or 30 years. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. Nothing in between. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the two. Uh, that is a fantastic film. I've banged on about Michael Clayton enough. Did anyone else share my love of Michael Clayton? Or do I have to you know, convert you all here as well? Um, no. I remember watching f- it and enjoying it enough. I like... Tilda enjoyed it enough yeah Tilda Tilda did that Tilda thing you know which was fun modern day masterpiece (laughs) Um, before Um, we started this uh, recording session uh, I think Luke or Chad was talking about their James Mangold yes walk the line yes yeah, actually, so so yeah, I was I was going to talk about um, Logan anyway because oh, yes, talk about Logan um, again, a film that's just grown on me more and more over the, as the years have gone on. The first time you watch it, it almost it feels anti-audience in a way, doesn't it? Because there are so many bleak moments that go against what you're expecting to happen in that film, but just an absolute sinner. But yeah, James Mangold is is one of my favourite directors in the same way that Clint Eastwood kind of disappears into the story that he's telling. I feel that James Mangold does the same and perhaps doesn't get the recognition as a result of he that. He absolutely doesn't. No. Um, so Walk the Line is one of my favourites of this uh, this century so far. doesn't appear on the list. It's the Joaquin Phoenix performance that he should have won the Oscar for. Uh, not to put anything against um, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think he lost to that year for Capote. I, I wasn't really familiar with Johnny Cash at that point, so a lot of the music in that came new to me. It also came out just after Ray, I think, and they're very similar stories, beat for beat almost, but Walk the Line just clicked with me. I think because uh, Reese Witherspoon makes that film and because it's a two-hander, really, as much as it is a Johnny Cash film, um, yeah, I, I, I love it. Mm. Yeah, Mangold's fantastic. And uh, if Copland had been made four years later... <laughs> would it made the list? It, it, it would have made my, my list. It would have been okay. in my top 20 because I love Copland. It's one of those movies like Michael Clayton uh, <laughs> that I go back to on a yearly basis. I go back to Margin Call every year. I go back to Michael Clayton every year. There's these little very strange little films that I go back to where the acting okay. is just absolutely bang on point. Okay, well. And I think they're in the same region because Traffic, that's a 2000 film, right? I want to say I think technically maybe in a list when yes. I was looking back I think it might yes. be yes but just these you know these really well done adults in inverted commas yeah. dramas that you have roll around every so often and um, they, they might not perhaps linger in the memory too long but they're, they're great films in their own right okay well well, I love Logan. Just want to say that I love it so much. I'm an ex. I'm an X Men fan. I love it so much. I love my Marvel, but I think the X Men films have been kind of on a bit. They've been a bit crap like recently. I'm not going to lie. But well, it's telling that none of them are on the list. This there is it. No I was actual. X-Men I was thinking on the list. when I was thinking. Oh, X Men came out in 2000, and X Two came out a few years later. Yeah, right? they're all they're all eligible. I know, and I. I do have an affection for them, even though I know we're living in a Marvel world now, uh, as in MCU world. <laughs> but, um, I, as opposed to a Marvel world. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do, I loved Logan. I didn't know what I was going to get and it 
it really it shook me when I you know when people started to die and um, the ending just I was like waiting to the end of the credits like thinking is something going to happen will, will he come back is a clawed hand going to yeah, reach out like, from the grave <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I really 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 love my Logan I love that he um, Hugh Jackman got to get this performance in and um, yeah I'm glad it's on the list that's an interesting point I hadn't considered for example A. Traffic not being on the list mm. uh, and there's not a lot of Soderbergh on the list weirdly no. enough because mm. he's one of the most interesting directors of the, of the, of the last uh, two decades as well uh, but yeah the X-Men movies is something that I hadn't really noticed not being on here either and I think realistically mm. Logan and maybe X-Men 2 which for me is still one of the great superhero movies, and maybe Days of Future Past are maybe the only ones that even would have been in the conversation, possibly. I agree. Of the X-Men's, I mean, I love yeah. Spider-Man 2 still. Yeah. Um, yeah of, of the I X-Men can... movies, not, not, oh, okay. not the... Yeah, of the yeah. X-Men films, yeah, yeah. absolutely, those, those are the only ones. I love Days of Future Past. They messed it up after. That's well, even first class, I you know, first class first is a very good like, film. People love that film, and I'm like, it's all right. I like Fassbender and... Um, uh, Mac of Wayne, I love those two. It's yeah. a shame what happened, but um, along the line, but you know, <laughs> you know, we call that apocalypse. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> right. that's, that's another thing. It's like I wonder if apocalypse was so bad that it has just destroyed yes, people's definitely. perceptions of those movies. Whenever Dark Phoenix was coming out, Dark Phoenix, I think, is a perfectly fine, perfectly serviceable yep. movie. But whenever it was coming out, people were just dismissing it instantly on on social media, going, "Oh, are they still making these?" It's like, well, it's just been really one, one. absolute stinker, yeah, and it's tainted the rest by association, yeah. Definitely. And when the, it, it's just competition, right? There are so many good, it's a different Marvel world now. Films yeah. coming out yeah. on a regular yeah. basis. There, it is hard to think back to the the, the better ones. I think of the, those X Men less co- consistent series, right? Yeah, the X Men cartoons. They're the, they're the ones I came up with. So that's why I'm a proper. Even though I love my Captain <laughs> Americas, I I'm I'm an X Men fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I felt sorry for Dark Phoenix coming out two months after Oof. Endgame as well. But then again, I felt sorry for pretty much any <laughs> movie that came out <laughs> after Endgame. Uh, let's move on to the next block of 10. Um, number 70, Avatar. Number 69, nice, The Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> number 68, Apocalypto. That, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. Number 67, Hot Fuzz. Number 66, The Prestige. Number 65, Toy Story 3, number 64, Almost Famous, number 63, Under the Skin, which is, uh, I think, a little left-field choice on the list here. Number 62, Sideways is not drinking fucking Merlot. And number 61 is Shaun of the Dead. So two Edgar Wright films in this 10. Uh, and, uh, and two very left-field choices, I would say, in Apocalypto mm-hmm. and Under the Skin. Apocalypse. I mean, has anyone thought about that film for the last no. five, six years? I haven't. I seen enjoyed it, in it at full. the time, but and, and yeah, it is it is crazy when you watch it. And again, I put it into that category of films that I don't know why this exists, but <laughs> yeah, 60, 68 ahead of Skyfall, ahead of you know some films yeah, that I think would weird. be much fresher in the memory. Yeah, I can only imagine Mel Gibson was block voting <laughs> under a series of assumed names. Listen, it's a it's a fantastic achievement in direction. It's a great action movie. And when I interviewed name drop, when I interviewed George Miller for this, we were talking about obviously Mad Max and Mel Gibson, and he said, you know, he's a huge admirer of Mel Gibson as a director, and he thinks this movie is the apotheosis of mm. his directing career, and it's an, an astonishing achievement as an action movie. But yeah, it is strange that this is the one that's, that's stuck in people's minds, and it's two places ahead of 
the movie that was, until just a few months ago, the biggest movie of all time, James Cameron's Avatar. Mm. Now, it's at number 70 on this list, so does that suggest it is hanging around in people's minds more than we perhaps had thought, or is it the fact that it's so low on the list an indicator that perhaps it doesn't have the cultural afterlife that you would expect of the formerly biggest movie of all time? Chad? Uh, yeah, I I do like Avatar, but it's one of those films where whenever I'm watching it, I'm quite enjoying it. But if I, I would never just stop to put Avatar on. Like, it hasn't stuck with me in that way. If I want to watch a James Cameron movie, I will go back to, you know, Terminator 2 or films like that. Um, so... But I'll be curious because obviously once the machine starts gearing up and pumping Avatar 2 uh, promos at us, <laughs> uh, we will all start <laughs> perking up again and realising why it was such a big and amazing film. I think it's a cinema movie. Definitely. Especially that birth of three modern 3D. Mm. It just felt like an event more than a movie. Yeah, I think. How did you guys react at the time? Were you Avatar sceptics who became converts or have you always been slightly on the fence about it? Where have you stood? Um, I enjoyed it. I, you know, getting immersed in that world was amazing. Mm. I looked amazing. But the story, even at the time, the storyline was a bit... For me, you know, <laughs> all right. See, I think that's really interesting because um, so this is I, I, I loved Avatar when I saw it. I was looking forward to it. I was blown away by it. I can't say I've necessarily gone to it a massive amount of time since then, but mm. I still think of it very fondly. But I think what we see, it's almost this nullification where he has these very complex and intricate plots. There's almost seems to be a feeling, I think, when you talk to people that very simple, well-told stories like Avatar don't register with some people now. And I get that it's very similar to Dances with Wolves and the Pocahontas comments and so on. Yeah. But to me, Avatar's not necessarily about the plot. The plot is a very simple one. You know, he becomes part of the, the Navi tribe and, and, you know, goes goes native, mm. as it were. Um, but just visually, it was astonishing. And it was 3D done right. It was Cameron, James Horner firing on all cylinders. And yeah, I... I I'm not going to fight you on, on the visuals <laughs> and, you know, some of the action and stuff like that. But even when you look at the old... I don't know what... There's something that leaves me cold about, about this film. I don't know. When you look at older Cameron, you know, with your Terminator 2s and your... And your Terminators and your um, aliens and stuff like that. These are, I, I, if that comes on now, I'll sit down and watch that. It's very, very exciting films. But this, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. You know, even even now, maybe I don't have a big cinema at home, so I can't put my 3D glasses and watch it and appreciate it in the same way. So, and I understand what you're saying about the Nolan. That's very interesting because I, I, I do enjoy Nolan films, but I find, find they leave me a bit cold sometimes. They're not very emotionally engaging. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, one hand the other you know mm. but hey we'll see what he but brings yeah, we shall we'll see. see what he brings next the, the biggest worry as much as I like their characters in the first one but the fact that it seems everyone's coming back even the people who died in the first yeah. film I'm never a they fan went of into the that tree. particularly yeah. Awa or whatever right so it's mother, like the, mother the rise of Skywalker basically oh lord <laughs> <laughs> nobody dies oh lord this is very true yeah mother Awa she's back but it wasn't home tree blowing up what will become of Parker Selfridge? These are questions to keep me awake at night. <laughs> uh, we have two Edgar Wright films in this list as well, and this, this this little block of ten, Hot Fuzz, which for me is his best film, and Shaun of the Dead as well. You any fans of um, Mr. Wright in this? I don't know if it's because I've seen it more. I prefer Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more fun for me. Um, it's, maybe it's the funnier a funnier film than Hot Fuzz, maybe. But I'm not. I'm not so. I'm not so 
well versed in Hot Fuzz. I've seen it a, a few times, but I don't know it like I know Shaun of the Dead. Mm. It's more the action's great. I mm-hmm. love it. It's just hilarious. But take the floor for Hot Fuzz, please do. <laughs> I can't speak on it. Yeah, they're, they're both great. I, I don't think I could separate the two of them in my mind. I think I both hold them as level, but. Um, We'll come to it later on in the list. I think Scott Pilgrim is one of my favourites of this century anyway. So mm. if, there's an Ed, if there's an Edgar Wright film that I have to throw my weight behind, then uh, Scott Pilgrim is the one. We certainly will. We'll come to that later on because that is the highest placed Edgar Wright film. Uh, let's go to the next block of 10. So number 60, Carol. Number 59, Django Unchained. Number 58, Wally. 57, Drive. 56, Before Sunset gets a woo from Chad. Yes. No, well, kind of. We, we, we almost. 55 from <laughs> Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Woo from Christelle. Yeah, yeah. There we go. 54. <laughs> no one's doing woos. 54, Brokeback yeah. Mountain. <laughs> oh, yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 53 <laughs> I didn't know what film that was <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 totally 53 <laughs> The Lord of the Rings The Two Towers Ooh. Uh, 52 Inglorious Bastards and 51 I must confess this was my number one of the century uh, might have been a little tactical footing in there but I do truly love this film Paddington 2 it's lovely a lovely film. All right, Mama Lad. Where, where, <laughs> where do we begin? Where do we begin? Should we begin? Let's begin with Paddington 2, God damn it, because yeah. it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. I love it's it. It's a perfect movie. It's isn't so it? good. Yeah. It's just so perfect. I've not cried and laughed so much in a movie. Yeah. Uh, best uh, best ending of the 21st oh century brackets so oh. far? Destroying us. Trying to destroy us. They were my kids, and I'm like, oh God. What you, you, you see you it coming. Like you see it coming, else. and you know you're crying in advance of the moment, even though I'd never seen the film before. I was like, <laughs> like all the way through the ending. And then you had the end credits, which were the most oh, yeah. perfect. Oh, my God. Up. I love yeah. it. Hugh Grant deserves every award. I really... Speaking of song time and not being able yeah. to on, on the big screen. Uh, it's an incredible film, uh, an incredible ending as well. I think I interviewed Paul King for it, and I think we talked yeah. about the ending and yeah. how it came about. And it was almost uh, it was almost trial and error in a way that they knew they wanted to end somehow with Aunt Lucy, but it wasn't until fairly late in the day that they had the line, happy birthday, Aunt Lucy, and then she arrived. And I wonder what would happen if you watched the opening of Up with the married life montage oh. and in the last five minutes of Paddington 2 would you have any liquid left in your body would you, level <laughs> would you Chad made, making a face there <laughs> would, or would you just be salt you know would you be like Lot's wife well, for me that is Captain America <laughs> before we get started the same one we want to get out <laughs> Right, but so that's who saw this coming, right? I mean, yeah. everyone saw that first, oh first Paddington God. trailers Creepy and thought, Paddington. you know, this looks mm. like the posters, uh, an right? Bomb. Yeah, and two uh, yeah, absolutely perfect films. Yeah. Which is why you can't write off Sonic the Hedgehog, can you? That's it soon. Uh, you, and, should uh, write, you should write off Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go and see that. If that makes me cry as much as Paddington <laughs> I mean, in, in, in a good reasons. way, not in a what the fuck am I watching way. Um, yeah. That would be good. I think, sadly, it might be the latter. Uh, but Paddington not being on this list is yeah, a bit surprised. of an oversight for me as well I because I think the that. two of them together are just a glorious, glorious double bill. And Paul King is an actual genius, I think. Uh, lots of films are really interesting to talk about in this list. Uh, Chad, you mentioned Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Yeah. Oh, well, obviously that should be high. For me, that is actually my favourite MCU movie. I think it is just a... Because it was such a good left turn in the MCU. Uh, We'd gone from being quite straight superhero movies and this threw a whole separate genre 
into the genre of superheroes. It made, gave us that political conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. It had some brilliant action sequences. It was uh, just fascinating bringing... Bu- I mean, you think the idea of bringing Bucky back, which in the comic books was one of those golden rules of you never bring Bucky mm-hmm. back, and then you know, half a century later they do it, and it makes one of the best storylines in the comic book. And so to do it in the film so quickly worried me, thinking you haven't had the build-up. You haven't haven't missed Bucky. But it was done so well on screen. Because he's not given the screen time, I think, to make that Mm. emotional impact in The First Avenger, which is a film I I really like. But when he dies halfway through, you don't really care that much. Steve clearly cares, but the audience doesn't (laughs) at that point. No, it's... I think retroactively... um, the first Avenger, the first Cat film, mm-hmm. works a lot better because of the Winter Soldier and because mm-hmm. of um, Civil War, because he was his first true best friend, Chris. So um, I, 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 I like that this film as well, compared to the other second films in the MCU, this is the one that really works because yeah. you've got Thor to the Dark World and you've got <laughs> Iron Man to... Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but this one was... Very, like you say, it took, takes a very definite, different track. Um, the action, and the, even in the opening scene, the action when he's on the boat, and you yeah, know, you see right. him, you can see the way that the action's different, and you know, he's out there killing, like killing bad guys. But you know, it's just a lot more serious, but um, realistic. Mm-hmm. It's it's just as very impressive as a film can be yeah. with yeah. a scientist's brain imprisoned yeah. in a supercomputer yeah, yeah, explaining yeah. the plot halfway through, <laughs> which is one of the things I love about it. It, yeah, it has it this, get. yeah, it's a parallax view, but with a mad supercomputer and yeah. floating cities and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and uh, I I think it's absolutely fantastic. And mm-hmm. for my money, before Endgame came along and and changed my life uh, <laughs> uh, this has the best action sequences in the MCU yeah. mm. and I it sometimes baffles me why they can't achieve that level I mean, Iron Man 3 has great action sequences as well the, the single glove single boot sequence is great um, but why they can't achieve that level in all the other movies Captain Marvel for example is marked by really pedestrian action sequences mm. and if it had anything that has the punch of the lift fight or Nick Fury being chased oh, down yes. uh, and being barricaded in by those those Hydra pricks uh, <laughs> then I think those movies perhaps might be thought of a little bit better yeah it's just the vagaries of filmmaking right it's where they put the effort or not even effort necessarily because these things you know they turn around reasonably quickly right and it takes a long time to put together a lift fight such as you see in Captain America so mm. sometimes just the practicalities of getting those things involved in the films are, are what hold them back but yeah I mean Winter Soldier Two things that stuck out for me were, one, it, I think it's pretty much the first MCU film that starts getting political. Yes. It is a film that has something yes. quite important to say about the surveillance state, um, and, and which is what it was latched onto, I think, quite quite so strongly in the press. But also, it gets Captain America's character right. Yes. He was good fun in the first Avenger, but it's the Superman thing, right? What do you do with the character who's meant to be inherently good and unmoving at the centre, you throw him into a murky world and see how he reacts to that. And I think in that film you see what Captain America goes this, on to become. Yeah, this is a them. film where we, we we understand him, we get him, um, mm. and we can see that even though he's the guy who's by the book, when he realises that the people who are writing the book are no good, he yeah. will still stick by his principles. And I, I love that about him. It made yeah, me really yeah. love Cap. I was like, oh, Cap's all right. But when this came out, I was like, no, he's my man. He's yeah. the one. Yeah, and 
at the risk of turning this into a Steve Rogers spoiler special I will totally agree with that and then move Fine on swiftly <laughs> finally I think it's one of those things too is that you can tell that Steve Rogers is the character in the MCU who has had a complete arc written by the same writing team mm. yeah. and I think that really helps yeah. so there's a consistency to his character all the way through mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't I don't have, think I'd want to see him written by other people, to be honest. Uh, no, that's a very good point. I don't think we're going to either now. Though he's still technically around. He's alive. You, you never know. We may still see him at some <laughs> Hold point. Hold on to that drink. Grandpa but, uh, but for example, that, that is true. The way the Thor changes wildly. And I love Thor Ragnarok. Uh, it yeah. is maybe the Marvel movie that is surprising in its yeah. omission mm-hmm. from this yeah, list. I'd agree. Uh, Iron Man 3, Travis Lavery for the win. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he changes so radically from Thor The Dark World to Thor Ragnarok that it is it is a bit of a 180, bit of a slingshot situation. But, you know, hey-ho, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Anything else in this, this block of 10 you want to talk about? One final. Brokeback Mountain is on the list. No sign of crash, I don't think. Which, uh, <laughs> Ooh, the Oscars, so. I wonder why. Just uh, just a little bit of revenge. There. Sometimes <laughs> votes work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next block of 10. Number 50, Hunt for the Wilder People. Number 49, Bruges. Number 48, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Number 47, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Number 46, Inside Lewin Davis. 45, Blade Runner 2049. 44, Roma. 43, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. 42, Casino Royale. And 41, <sighs> Avengers Endgame. <laughs> the biggest movie of all time. I mean, the Avengers, what, it's a split vote, right? I mean, when you've got 20-plus films to choose from now, yeah. and actually, as, as impressive as I, I, you know, I think Endgame is fantastic, I think Infinity War still wins out Ooh. for me anyway, if I have to choose between the two, just because it's such a riot to watch. It's such a roller coaster. It's interesting. I think, um, I think people have argued that Infinity War is a better film, and maybe it is, but I think that Endgame is my favourite because the way it just all comes together, I just... I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe they did it. And I, you know, we're, I, we're emotionally invested. And the way it just came together, I just, I just love it so much. But I do love Infinity War 2. And I can see how people would say that's a better film. So. One thing I thought was quite odd was the fact that Endgame being, you know, in the mid-levels, fine. But I was surprised that Wonder Woman ranked higher. Dear God. Mm. And what I think objectively... <laughs> It's the better film of the two. One, I think Wonder Woman was quite a moment culturally when it yeah. hit. But, I mean, Endgame is the better film Definitely. and will age better in the long run, I feel, personally. Definitely. It's interesting. I mean, not, you know, we've done enough Avengers Endgame spoiler specials. <laughs> uh, and I've said enough about this film over the, over the last year or so, I think. Um, but it is interesting the risks it takes. It's not the movie that you think it is going to be when you when you sit no. down the, the five year time jump the yeah. the tonal shifts from the rather bleak and somber first hour into the the caper filled mm. antics of the second hour and then the third hour which is just you know hour the third hour which is just this the, the greatest superhero showdown you have ever seen uh, you know I don't have kids yet but if I do ever have kids I know that the birth of my first child will not surpass <laughs> the portals moment <laughs> <laughs> will you be in the delivery room saying portals as the child oh comes god on your left Chris don't do it <laughs> don't do it oh dear no it's gonna happen it's gonna happen I apologise um, now to Chris's wife yeah oh believe me there's so much to apologise for when it comes to my wife um, but yes uh, offended 
Avengers Endgame at 41. Uh, anything else? Uh, yeah, Luke, you were saying that Scott Pilgrim is your yeah, favourite? Yeah, the two that jump out for me. So Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I think within the first few, I mean, you've got that 8-bit Universal logo for a start. <laughs> And then the titles come up and it and the sound effect from the Legend of Zelda linked to the past plays. And I just thought, I'm in good hands here and just love the next two hours or so of watching that film. The other one, Blade Runner 2049. So if I had to put my hand on my heart and say a favourite film, Blade Runner would be the one. So that experience of a film, a sequel coming out such a long time after the original that I loved, and it was also brilliant, was if I have another experience like that in my lifetime, I'll be lucky because it was phenomenal. Is your number one, so presumably Blade Runner 2049 is your number one choice. If you had to make a list right now, you didn't vote, which is disgraceful. Uh, get out and vote, <laughs> people. Rock the vote. Uh, but if you had voted, it would be Blade, or Blade Runner 2049. I think when I was thinking this through, because to me, the, the two that came out that summer, so Dunkirk and Blade Runner 2049, sum up what cinema is meant to be about in the 21st century. It's big screen experiences. They're not the same when you watch them at home on your, you know, 55-inch, 43-inch, whatever size TV it is that you watch. And there were such incredible sensory experiences that they fully justified the £57 or whatever it was that to pay to see each of them in IMAX. <laughs> uh, is your number one on this list, Chad? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. in the top ten. It's not number one, oh. but it in, is in the top ten. So we'll All get right, to we'll get to that. Christelle? I I don't know what to choose. I have I have too many favourites here. I can't pick. Let's move on to the next block of 10. We have at number 40, Up. At number 39, Joker. Mm. Number 38, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Number 37, Donnie Darko has stuck around. Mm. 36, Lady Bird. Luke hasn't seen it. 35, Arrival. 34, Zodiac. 33, Wonder Woman. 32, Avengers Assemble. And a 31, Amelie. I just want to say it's been too long since we've seen a Jean-Pierre Junet film for a start. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd forgotten about Amelie entirely until I'd seen this list and, and I still think it's a wonderful film and his filmography as well is so unique so yeah. needs to get back onto it and release something for the next 20 years. Yeah. So this is a, this is a list that actually has films that have stuck around a little bit. So mm. Amelie's from 2001, mm-hmm. Donnie Darko's, what, 2001, 2002 yeah, maybe, maybe, something around that. Uh, so they've, they've stuck in the mind a little bit. And then we have the, as you guys pointed out to me, the latest entry on the, uh, on the list, which is Todd Phillips' acclaimed Oscar-winning masterpiece, Joker. Anyone want to take Joker? Anyone want to talk about Joker? Where do you stand on Joker? Um, Perfectly on his, on his neck would be good, but... Uh, <laughs> it's a great performance and... I, as I watched it, I was I was with it. I enjoyed it enough. But then when you st- stop and think about it, it doesn't really make any sense. It's too it's swinging at everything. It's throwing everything at the wall, hoping that something sticks. So it doesn't really make. I I'm hard, I find it hard to see what point it's trying to make. Um, so I, that's where I have ish, I take issue with the film. You know, this is not better than Logan. In my opinion, I just yeah, I found this turning me into like the grumpy old man in the office yeah. when all the young guys were walking, going, "Oh my god, it's amazing!" And I'm like, "You've heard of films called Taxi Driver, yeah. right? And you've heard of King of King Comedy. Comedy, and so let me introduce you to the '70s, and they were amazing <laughs> for cinema. And yeah, I was that guy. But had they though? Have have your workmates and co-workers? They had watched Taxi seen... Driver a lot of them. Okay, most of them hadn't seen King of Comedy. Yeah. Um, and look, I think it's, again, I think it is a great performance. It's a very showy performance, so I can understand why it would win awards. Mm. Uh, I think Adam Driver was robbed. Um, Same here. <laughs> but, you know, so I can understand why it gets attention. I think it just hit at an 
I'd be interested to rewatch it in 10 years' time, removed of the slightly political moment it sits in, yep. and judge it completely separately as a movie in its own right. I know Todd Phillips thinks that you can't uh, make comedies in this woke era, uh, which is almost a direct quote. I can't remember his exact mm-hmm. quote. But it is still surprising to me that he's made a Joker movie that is so bereft of laughs. Yeah. I mean, what part of the appeal of that character is that he is fun to watch and there's nothing of that in this apart from a joke ripped off from Bob Monkhouse (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a strange one isn't it I think they made the film that they set out to achieve right I feel like that was what they wanted to do and actually on those terms I think it succeeds to a certain degree I just got to the end of it and thought that was good. I just never want to see it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when they dial back a little bit. I, I felt they didn't have the convictions at the end because it spoilers, spoiler for Joker. Um, but it ends with him in the um, in the asylum, doesn't it? And mm. there's a question of, oh, has it all been in his mind? And I thought, well, you've kind of backtracked a bit there, haven't you? Mm. I think it would have been a more interesting film if they'd stuck with their convictions and had him standing triumphant, and you know, it was a literal a success for him there. But. Yeah, I mean, these Oscar seasons bring these things into focus, don't they? Was Joaquin Phoenix the best actor of the last year? It's a very good performance, but yeah, I wouldn't put him above necessarily Adam yeah. Driver and so on. I think that's that's the trouble. It's it's a it's a good film that's been elevated to greatness incorrectly in some quarters. Oh yeah, I was just thinking it could have been worse. We could have had Jared Leto's Joker in a whole film. <laughs> totally different film. Damn it, yeah. no. Like glass half full. Yeah. Well, the yeah. needle's clearly shifting on how the Academy and how award ceremonies uh, assess. Comic book movies, you know. But it's interesting that this movie gets 11 Oscar nominations. Uh, Logan started to kick the door down, began really with The Dark Knight, which was snubbed pretty much wholesale for the Oscars. That opened the door a little bit, then Logan kicks it down, then Black Panther kicks it down a little bit more, then we have Joker with 11 nominations. So, you know, these movies are finally, and this might piss off Marty Scorsese, (laughs) beginning to be seen as cinema as, as proper films. Because um, Todd Phillips and the way it was marketed, it took it so seriously. Um, it kind of, it was so po-faced and um, took all the fun out of it, like you were saying, it's not mm. a fun film. And so um, I know people are a bit nervous about the film and then because people are looking at it in that context, that's why they decide, oh, let's yeah, let's take this seriously. Oh, look, he starved himself down and oh, you know, it's so, oh, society. So it, that maybe is why it kind of push it along a bit more mm-hmm. rather than on the merits of what the actual film is about that it's 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 mm-hmm. as a joker film no agency in the in the lead but something's character. obviously stuck yeah. i think it's weird especially because i think empire has been quite open in its criticisms of the film and by empire I mean helen <laughs> um, wait so the fact that no, she's <laughs> <not running down. laughs> oh, there you are um, but the fact that you know empire readers have voted this film this high yeah, I still think there's there's obviously there's definitely strength a, and quality yeah. at its core. It's Recency definitely bias. Re- hits. Yeah, I don't I don't quite agree with Helen, who thinks it's the worst movie ever made, uh, or along those lines. But uh, I'm I'm more in her camp. But I can see I can see why people would would gravitate towards this film. Mm. I just hope it's for the right reasons. And not because you think it's a, a manifesto of some sorts. Yeah, um, and it's just an interpretation of the character that I'm not particularly yeah. interested in. It's like it's like James Bond, right? Roger Moore, I can appreciate, and I very much enjoy <laughs> those Bond films. But that's not the Bond interpretation that yeah. I'm attracted to. I'm attracted to the Connerys and, and Craigs, which take it more seriously. And can we just say now, once and for all, definitively, worst big screen Alfred? <laughs> and I, I, there's no, 
Douglas Hodge is a fine actor and I'm sure mm-hmm. he's a lovely, lovely man, but that's not a good Alfred. <laughs> I concur. All right. Not my Alfred. <laughs> not my Alfred. <laughs> Hashtag not all Alfreds. Um, Zodiac, 34 on the list. I think one of the few Finchers on the list. I mean, that's mm-hmm. an incredible film. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I'm so embarrassed. This is the one Fincher film that I haven't... You are in for a treat. I, I've... Yeah. I've Got it on my Amazon Prime. You yeah. know where I'm going to watch it. I was, it's the one I missed out watching in preparation. But no, I'm so a, sorry. It's Come a belty film. About it. You're in for a six-hour treat because <laughs> it's so what, long. No, it's three hours, but you have to watch it twice. I think to really yeah. appreciate it. So oh, okay. you know, your, okay. your first your first reaction may be a bit lukewarm. Okay. Second time, but the, the quality of the filmmaking, the craft. Oh my god, um, yeah. it's influential. His his style in that film is very influential for example on uh, Game Night uh, where the <laughs> fuck really? is Game Night in this yeah, top yeah. 100 everybody what are you doing <laughs> alright the next block of 10 uh, 30 God's Own Country number 29 Boyhood 28 hey it's the Irishman 27 who the hell is Kill, that who the hell is that <laughs> 27 Kill Bill volume 1 26 uh, is Memento 25 Call Me By Your Name not going to do the song 24 no. La La Land, 23, City of God, 22, Gladiator, and 21, Children of Men. Uh, so that's a quality little block of 10 there. Anything you want to talk about? I, um, I think it's quite interesting uh, when you look at the like the, all the LGBT main films mm. that are in this list. So we start with Carol at 60, Brackback Mountain at 54. Mm-hmm. They're very much of the style of tragic gay lives mm-hmm. where people are in horrible situations find a bit of happiness but in general it ends badly I like that in this bracket we have God's Own Country and Call By Your Name which are still emotionally quite dramatic they're still uh, fraught but they are, have glimmers of happiness they have hope they have joy these feel like gay lives being treated yeah. as normal everyday lives in cinema and we are just telling a story so I find that really really encouraging Was Call Me By Your Name in a way uh, it feels like a landmark moment for me. It was a real cultural moment around that film that I felt there hadn't really been, even around Moonlight, even around Carol, which people love. I obviously, Brokeback Mountain was nominated for Oscars as well, but it seems to me that Call Me By Your Name was a breakthrough moment in many, many ways. So, Do you, do you feel that? Oh, definitely. I think the fact that it is so sunny and warm and it mm. is a beautiful movie. Like, I love God's Own Country, but I never want to go visit there. <laughs> um, whereas Calling By Your Name made me want to take a European holiday straight away. Um, yeah. You know, it's just gorgeous to watch. Yeah. And performances, you know, coming out of it. No, no, I won't say that. Absolutely amazing performance. I mean, the father's speech at the end yeah. is one mm. of the most heartbreaking things I've seen on cinema. Um, Timothy Chalamet's performance over the end credits is one of the greatest shots. It's just an absolutely wonderful movie. Do you think the end would have been enhanced if they had replaced Sufjan Stevens with someone singing? Something else. No, mind. Define enhanced. <laughs> Improved, augmented. Mm. Overly, uh, that would have put it over the top. Best picture winner if they'd put my Call Me By Your Name song. <laughs> you could have won best song. That would Full have been on Dolby Atmos. Can you imagine I would have sung that at the Oscars? It would have been great. Adele Dazeem. <laughs> oh. It's also, it's, it's a really good film for tricking homophobes to watch something they wouldn't normally watch because the scenery <laughs> in that film is incredible. So, you know, we've, it's all, so pretty. we've all got relatives like it, right? Okay, you know, the racists and xenophobes that come out at Christmas time. 
And you can suggest this film and say, oh, it's this beautiful film. It's, it's like, you know, Escape to the Country. Let's go to Italy. <laughs> and then they watch it. And I'd like to think they learn something a little bit at the end because I don't think anyone can fail to be moved by the speech at the end, as you say. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a gateway <laughs> LGBT film like this <laughs> for prizing in. Yeah, it's lovely. All they do is ride around the countryside in bikes. There's a, there's a yeah, bit with a peach. It's totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Uh, let's see what else is on this list. It's, uh, I mean, the, we get to the point where they're all absolute belters. Um, La La Land is a film I love as well, while we're talking about colour and brightness and fun and best original songs. Yeah, I'm surprised that Children of Men is so high. Me Not too. because it's a bad film. Okay. I mean, you can draw parallels with current society, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not a film that feels like it captured the zeitgeist necessarily to warrant a top 25 Yeah, place I didn't think it made that much of an impact, to be yeah. honest. That's interesting. Um, but as I say, that doesn't denigrate quality because I think it's an absolutely stunning film. It um, really is. Gladiator. So Ridley Scott has created three all-time classics in Alien, Blade Runner and Gladiator. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to forget, I think, in this day of... You know, the final shot in that all-in-one-shot and game, right, with all the heroes, there's so much CGI in these. You can almost take for granted the impact that CGI has had on cinema. And Gladiator, I remember going to see it and seeing that digital replacement of the Colosseum, and you just hadn't seen anything of that fidelity displayed on screen in a swords and sandal flick like that. Um, Hans Zimmer's score, I don't think he's done one better. Uh, Russell Crowe has never been more effective. So, yeah, Gladiator will be a top five for me easily. Interesting. See, and that's a movie I've kind of gone cold on over the years. Really? Yeah. But in what for? Uh, well, I prefer Kingdom of Heaven <laughs> for one. Genuinely, have you seen the director's cut of Kingdom uh, of Heaven? Yeah, it's I have. Phenomenal. And I think I've been meaning to watch that for so long and never got around to it. Carve yourself out four hours and get, and get round to it. It's, I think it is. Belted. I think it is brilliant. If if Orlando Bloom's a weak link, right? I mean, he he's is. fine in the role. Arise, a knight. <laughs> it just doesn't work, I think does if you it? put a Russell Crowe Russell Crow figure in the Orlando Bloom part, it, be, it yeah, it arguably is better than Gladiator, but it's just, yeah, yeah. That, that vacuum in the middle, unfortunately. Oh, he does indeed suck, like a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think the Irishman's going to stay this high in a list? No, nope, it's a very good question. I don't think so. I don't nope. think so either. Again, recency bias. I loved it, but I don't think it's mm. got the same power. And this is the most recent entry on the list. Yes. Not Jugger. This yes. one. Yeah. Good, but think good about call. all the people who didn't vote for the Irishman this time because they're still watching it. They started last year. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time they reach the end, then the next list they'll vote for it. I'm just saying, if you were doing this as a marathon and you had just sat through all of Boyhood and then watched all of the Irishman, like that's a good that's a good three months <laughs> of your life. An aging double bill yeah. to see the entirety of life in one go. Yeah. <laughs> and then followed by Benjamin Button, I guess. Bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Bring it back. Yeah. Wonder what this is. Irishman the longest film on the list probably is. Feels yeah. like it anyway. Yes. Uh, no, let's go. We're in the top 20 now. This is exciting. Oh, yeah. Here we go. As Dr. Strange once said, we're in the end game now. Number 20, <laughs> Interstellar. Number 19, The Wolf of Wall Street, the highest ranked Marty Scorsese picture. Number 18, Inside Out. I think that's the highest rated Pixar movie. Deservedly. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, number 17, Mulholland Drive. Number 16, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Number 15, Spirited Away. Number 14, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Number 13, that's one of those movies I revisit every now and again, Whiplash. Number 12, No Country for Old Men. And at number 11, There Will Be Blood. Drainage. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to dig into here. Interestingly enough, 
two very highly placed animated movies of very, very yeah. different kinds. We have very traditional animation with Studio Ghibli and Spirited Away, uh, one of the, you know, the the highest ranked Miyazaki film on the list. And then at number 16, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which came in unexpected, out of left field and rewrote all the rules. Yeah, again, who was expecting another Spider-Man film yeah. to come along and blast the other ones out the water, right? Uh, it's hard to argue with those animated films no. being the position that they are. No, I love them. I, I suppose all I'd say is that there are other things that I'd like to have seen in there somewhere. So um, The Secret of Kells, which mm. was a beautiful animated film. That's not on the list. Anima Lisa did very interesting things as well. <laughs> Persepolis is another film mm. I find myself going to Persepolis every few years or so. Yeah. That had yeah. a really unique look to it. But yeah, it's been a really strong period for animation, mm. even mm. if you just mm. you know, look at the Pixar stuff. It's not all Pixar all the time, I guess. Yeah, which Chad, is good. You, which is good. Chad, you, I think you said that um, uh, Inside Eight. Oh yeah, Inside Eight. Yeah, I absolutely, Pixar. Absolutely, Ratatouille is the one for me. Really? I love that. That's my favourite Pixar of these this bunch. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a. I feel like that says a lot about you and me in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> I just why, like to eat. Yeah. Why yeah. Inside Out, Chad? Oh, I just, that film kind of slapped me around when I first watched it. Because weirdly, I think it's one of those films that is almost more aimed at the adult audience Definitely. than the kids' audience. Because yeah. I think it's dealing with these quite complex psychological issues. And I think we have all had times in our lives where you look back and you realise that your different emotions had taken control and you have regrets about things and the idea of uh, coming to a sense of, of of wholeness with all of your emotions at once, of dealing with your pains and your fears and your anger to become a better human. I just think that film's perfect. And, you know, your childhood disappearing mm -hmm. as a bing, <laughs> bing bong, I always think this, I don't know, you know, that's very... And, the, just... and so many gifts come out of that film, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, a, it's a I transformative it. film, right? I, I remember seeing it and thinking that there are kids out there who are going to watch this film and it's going to help them to vocalise things that they're going through. Um, and Bing Bong, weirdly, I wouldn't say left me cold as such, but it didn't get me. What gets me is the bit at the end where the young daughter, I forget her name now. Riley, I think. Riley, yeah, Riley. That's it. So yeah. Where Riley, she's just come back after her escape attempt, her running away, um, and she just kind of starts being honest with her parents about how she feels and it, she struggles to say it. And... I could feel myself getting a little bit choked up just now as I say it, but yeah, it's it's a beautiful moment mm. and Pixar do those times like no one it's else, right? Stealth cries. It's, it's all shiny, pretty <laughs> colours, but really it's making all the adults cry in the audience. Yeah. And we yeah. should point out as well, you know, it's it's Pete Doctor who directed both this and Up as well yeah. and is, uh, I think, something of a genius, uh, to be honest, uh, mm -hmm. in the Miyazaki camp uh, as well. Um it's interesting as well. There's a lot, you know, toxic masculinity is a thread that runs through a lot of these movies. <laughs> and, uh, you know, looking back at the uh, the Irishman, looking back at The Wolf of Wall Street, they don't come much more toxic than Jordan Belfort. Uh, I love The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah? I love it. I, it. It's so... I know some people were turning against it trying to say, oh, it's glamorizing um, this lifestyle. But he was... He's such... A dick, and he was, you know, and, and it was fun to look at him, you know, on drugs and stuff. But you can tell it's all going to come to nothing. He's just such a utter asshole. Mm. But I enjoyed it it's so much more fun, especially when you compare it to something like The Irishman. It's so much more fun. Um, yeah, it's really entertaining. It's yeah. such an entertainer. This is what I think Leo should have got his Oscar for. I agree. But um, 
I just enjoy this film. It's it's um it's funny, it's um you know exciting, great performances, mm-hmm. engaging, and like I said, this is uh, not the opposite of the Irishman, but um you know what does what does Belfort le- learn at the end of his at the end of his journey? What does he learn? But I, d- I did. This was such a fun film. Plus, it I gave really us Margot Robbie, like kind of re- oh, yeah. really introduced yeah. her as the yeah. world, and you know she's pretty much flawless in most films. <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah. she's, she's terrific. Flawless for good. Yeah, and uh, I, say, I say this as a gay man. She is stunning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that last shot, isn't it, of Wolf of Wall Street, where the camera turns away from Belfort and just focuses on the room of people who are looking at him in total rapture at what he's selling to them. And that's the message of the film. I mean, like The Social Network, it's Mm. one of the more culturally relevant films on the list, right? Because the fact is that people like Jordan Belfort exist because we are fascinated with him and the concept of astronomical amounts of wealth. And there is a glamour and a a pull towards those... um, towards those darker sides of, of humanity. I agree. Yeah. I mean, there's a real thread of just monsters uh, running through these these latter, latter choices as well, from Jordan Belfort to uh, to Fletcher in Whiplash, to obviously Anton Chigurh in No Country for Old Men, and Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood as well. So we, we do like our... <laughs> We do like our toxic men in these movies, <laughs> don't we? Our toxic masculine. Well, nice people don't make for great cinema to watch, to be frank. Like, not every film can be Patterson. <laughs> this is very, very true. <laughs> this may be one of Paddington 2, so low down the list. Oh. If he'd been a little bit more toxic, a little bit more problematic, <laughs> yeah. maybe he would have been finally in the Sold top ten. a bit more oil <laughs> <laughs> from under uh, Jim Broadbent's shop, then maybe uh, he'd yeah. be higher. Absolutely. All right, into the top ten now, and then we'll do uh, your emissions uh, Lost in Translation at number 10 number 9 Pan's Labyrinth number 8 Get Out number 7 Avengers Infinity War number 6 The Social Network number 5 The Moonlight number 4 Inception number 3 oh turn the page Chris that's how it works <laughs> The Dark Knight number 2 The Lord of the Rings The Fellowship of the Ring and number 1 Mad Max Fury Road Witness <laughs> Mediocre, except it's not as brilliant. Um, so, a lot to dig into in that little lot. Uh, where do you want to start? I mean, they're all great films. I think at this point, you could have shuffled a deck. <laughs> like, they're all, all without a doubt, amazing movies. Just And they're also different, so I love, I love that Pan's Labyrinth is sitting next to Lost in Translation, which is sitting next to Get Out, followed by Event. You know, they're all picks of genres here and there, but mm-hmm. they're all absolutely solid movies. I could and, rewatch any of these. Like, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked an awful lot about how there's a lot of genre movies in this list and a lot of blockbusters on this list because Empire's a broad church. Uh, but this is a very broad church list. You have a couple of out-and-out blockbusters. You have Infinity War, which I think it was rumoured to be the most expensive movie of all time. You have Inception, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Mad Max, Fury Road, obviously. But you have these small indies as well. You have Pan's Labyrinth, which is a Spanish language indie that costs next to nothing. You have Lost in Translation, which you know looks like it was shot in the fly. Get Out, of course, you know, famously that would have cost five million dollars uh, to make. Um, so it's a real, real mix, real broad church. Yeah, I'm glad to see um, Del Toro sneaking in there just at the end. I mean, Pan's Labyrinth is the one that stands out, right? But, I mean, what a 20 years he's had. Shape of Water, I was a bit cooler on, but it's still a great mm. film. Mm. I loved Crimson Peak, thought that was fantastic. And Hellboy 2, I'd put up there with the uh, 
the okay. uh, top comic book films as well of this period in time. So, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. So and, I think, uh, technically speaking, Blade 2 also qualifies yeah. for this list. Uh, Ooh, can we get it on here? <laughs> I love Blade 2. <laughs> it wasn't on my top 20, but I've just thought of it. So now it is. It's number yeah. two on my list. No, it's, it's a really fun flick. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and great to see Lost in Translation as well sneaking in there in, in the in the final ten. I must admit it's not a film that I've thought about for long, but yeah. I think I've got to rewatch that one because mm. yeah, career best performances. I mean, Bill Murray should have won that year. That mm. wasn't the great reaction shot where he was clearly preparing himself to go up on stage <laughs> and had to quickly force a, a smile on his face. Um, and oh, then, bless him. Yeah, you can you can shuffle the deck for the rest. I think of Lost in Translation frequently when I'm trying to get to sleep, but uh, <laughs> apart, from, apart from that, it's a great film. Um, Even the karaoke bits? <laughs> you guys like your karaoke, right? Christelle. I loved Get Out. It was It's such a fun film. Mm. It's so funny, and it's so cutting in an interesting and surprising way. Um, I went to see it with my mum, strangely enough, and I remember we were there. It was a... Me, stocked enough um, cinema there were enough people there but people were really getting into it you know don't go down there don't listen to her all that kind of stuff it really engaged even even my mum um, but all the little sly sneaky things that um, Kalua's character is experiencing when he went to meet the family mm-hmm. and oh have you told her have you told your parents that I'm black oh no 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 very interesting very very interesting um perspective which was refreshing to see on, in, in a in a big screen yeah. um outing so i yeah. really i really enjoyed it it was very cutting and in, in um in a good way and uh, you know it goes crazy at the end but it was so enjoyable and the way it ended thank god it ended that way because i when i saw the police as you've said when i saw the police car rolling up i was like oh well this yeah. is it yeah <laughs> this game is over it. guys um so i re- i really did i'm i'm so glad it's so high um good for jordan peele um, I saw Get Out with one of those awful cinema audiences oh where no, everyone's quiet. just really noisy. Oh no! So it, it was quite distracting, and all the time I was just sitting there thinking, I really wanted to say Get Out to people. And <laughs> I, just, I can't be that don't guy. You, don't you find though that some experiences are cinema experiences lend themselves to a bit of reaction? Because they're reacting to the film, but this was the audience who was talking chatting, about what they're you know, for oh, dinner okay. when they get no, back No, no, no. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Because, you know, you know, you're sitting there watching a quiet place and everybody's like eating popcorn loudly. Don't want that. But with yeah. this, people are reacting to the film. So it was it was a good experience. It was engaging and everybody was yeah. enjoying and going along with the ride. So I really enjoyed it. It's a fun film. It's good to see it so high up. Um, Inception, maybe? We can talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... I it's what you said earlier about Nolan films engaging us and trying to trying to always trying to work things out. I I really enjoy that about his films. This is probably the best example of it. Um, I prefer it to Interstellar, which I think me, most people do. Yeah, which left me <laughs> yeah. a bit. Eh. But I'm surprised um, Interstellar is so high on the list. If I'm honest yeah, with you, yeah, I, I don't know. But I think there are a lot of um, people who love Christopher Nolan, no matter what. I think the um, the Batman films have elevated him in people's minds, maybe. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. Loved it. The look of it. Um, fun Tom Hardy as well, which was always, <laughs> is always good. Um, and it's just the fact that he keeps pushing, again, these big screen experiences. Yes. So I think it was The Dark Knight was the first film he shot in IMAX, certain scenes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. by the time you get up to Interstellar, I think most of the films in IMAX, isn't it? And, and again, there's just nothing like that, is there? If you're in a massive, fuck off cinema that's bigger than God then 
seeing those images that he creates along with um, Deakins and Hoyt van Hoytema are just, yeah, it's, it's what cinema's all about. Plus, he's such a brand on his own now. The idea, yeah. that, the idea that we know nothing about Tenet coming out and it, and it looks amazing. People are going just because it's a Christopher Nolan movie because mm-hmm. yeah. you know you're in for a kind of a mind-bending, super entertaining ride and you're going to see things that you haven't seen in cinema before. Mm. And yeah. I think Inception was the kind of the apotheosis of that, mm-hmm. the idea of seeing these special effects, seeing cities fold in upon themselves. Uh, you know, Doctor Strange owes everything to this film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, he, he's, uh, it's interesting that this last two decades, I think, has furthered the idea that sometimes the director could be the star of a film. Yeah. So... Chris Nolan is a huge example of that. Tarantino obviously was working before this, the this century, but you go to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, not just because of the great, big, shiny movie stars, but because it's a Quentin Tarantino film. And there's something about a Nolan movie. It looks and feels different. Like Tenet just feels like a Chris Nolan movie to me, having just seen, what, that two minutes of the, of the trailer. Uh, and Inception, I think, is absolutely the apex for him in many, many ways, even though it's not my favourite of his movies. That's really? probably The Prestige and Tied cool. with The Dark Knight, which I think is also uh, terrific. And, you know, the fact that it, I've said this in the other one, but the fact that it and Iron Man came along in the same year and both in their own ways redefined what was possible with the comic book movie, the much maligned, much put upon, much sneered at comic book movie is terrific. And without those two movies, you don't get Infinity War at number seven, for example, on this list. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, you, you say about um, celebrity directors, mm. what's conspicuous, I think, from this list is what we would have thought of as celebrity de- directors before we went into the 21st century, right? So very little Spielberg, mm-hmm. if at all. Yes. I'm trying to think if there's any Spielberg on there anywhere. I don't think there is. No, no George Lucas entries. Um, <laughs> you know, just the one Star Wars <laughs> one, you know, um, Francis Ford Coppola. Has made a couple of small things, I think, haven't they? Which haven't necessarily. Yeah, the so. old the old stages. So the old stages. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Score says he's probably the only one really yes. who's still operating yes. on this list. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting that those guys are still going, and good that they can still get films mm. like Hollywood made. Absolutely, and of course you got you got a rise of new directors as well. So you have uh, Jordan Peele. I think it's going to become one of those marquee names uh, yeah, as a director. As uh, also Barry Jenkins with Moonlight, as well. Um, and yeah, in terms of old stages. They don't come much older or stagier than <laughs> than George Miller, who yeah. somehow in his seventies managed to direct a deranged action masterpiece. But just thinking about the logistics behind Fury Road makes me want to have a nice long lie down. To I be honest, was just uh, laughing from start to finish. And I've heard stories from people who've worked on um, Fury Road, and you're right, the making of it just sounds absolutely insane. You know, shooting out in the middle of the N- Namibian desert, mm-hmm. I believe yeah. it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, making films is a tiring business as it is, but to do that at that sort of age is is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, his next film is a, a, a sort of quieter relationship drama with uh, Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba, and then after that, he wants to make another Mad Max movie, and it's like George, mate, you're right. Just, <laughs> just sit down, watch Countdown. Yeah, it's totally fine. But on the other hand, the really selfish part of me wants another Mad Max <laughs> film if it's as good as Fury Road. Oh my god, uh, I just want us to go back in time and get that Justice League film that never happened. Oh my goodness, like, can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, so close, so yeah. close. I mean, they were literally they'd build sets. Yeah, it's. Crazy, crazy. Uh, Chad, you said your number one film was on this in the top ten. Yes. Uh, it's Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Oh, really? I think Lord of the Rings should have been number one. Interesting. I think that owned cinema for so long, that franchise. I think they are amazing, amazing pieces of filmmaking. I think Fellowship is definitely the best of the trilogy. 
Definitely deserves to be up there. Trilogy, eh? You well, we, we don't talk about trilogy, it. Trilogy, yes. <laughs> yeah, what are the Hobbit films? What's going on? <laughs> Funny that. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it and Mad Max Free Road, uh, they're pretty on par. I'm not sad of the way that the list has come down. Mm-hmm. But I just think Fellowship of the Ring is one of my happy place films. One of those films I could just throw on at any point and just watch. And it makes me happy. Or I can jump in halfway through and enjoy. It's just absolute magic to me. Blimey. There we go. Uh, a late contender for number one then from <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. You know, Luke, it maybe if you'd voted. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Maybe if you'd sent in that, that list. Who knows? But then it changes. Like, it, these lists are so hard, right? I mean, what I voted for last week would probably be different to what I vote for today. And who oh, knows? Yeah. I'm going to watch Lady Bird on the train back home. That be, could become my favourite film of the last 20 years. So <laughs> It may well do. It's an Little Women was fantastic. So, so Lady Bird was, was brilliant. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings. It's our Star Wars generation, right? I, I, I assume that we're of a similar age there, Chad. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember going to see them. And that annual thing just built up to the hype, right? As soon as one was done, it was brilliant. You got to look forward to the next one. You knew that was coming. And after the two towers, I mean, did many people really expect them to mess it up for the last one after <laughs> that production? <laughs> so you could just sit there and relax and try to stop thinking about the toilet while you're watching. Which is why The Hobbit hurts so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a pretty big tail off for Peter Jackson after these movies, sadly, uh, as much as I love him as a director. Um, but uh, yeah, from King Kong all the way down to The Hobbit films, and it's a bit of a shame. But yeah. But... Mm. Those three movies stand alone, and that is our countdown of the top 100, which means we have just one more thing to do, and that is talk about omissions. What's the one movie that you think should have made a list but didn't? Chad, I'm going to start with you. Oh, I've got a list of like a dozen. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, That's the, just mention as many as you can. Uh, uh, I think Gravity, Moulin Rouge, was surprising omissions. Oh, yeah. Uh, no Mission Impossible films, which I would have thought Fallout Shocking. would have made it. Shocking. Uh, I was surprised. recorded so many podcasts about that. Yeah, maybe people um, were too busy listening to the podcast true. and they didn't get time to vote. Uh, no Fast and Furious films, for as much as we love them. <laughs> <laughs> the next one's going to be fast. amazing. So, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't considered that, but you're right. Fast Five is yeah. the greatest movie of all time. So what the hell is it? <laughs> Why is it not on this list? I mean, uh, if we're going to skew slightly more prestige art housey, Persepolis, I definitely think is yep. missing. The Handmaiden, yes, Tree of Life. Um, oh. I would have thought it would have been low in the list, but I would have thought it would have been there. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, if, it were, if I was voting now, I think Almodovar's Pain and Glory would have been on my list of votes. Interesting. Uh, and I personally just adore uh, Tom Ford's A Single Man. Indeed. Intriguing. Good suits. And good eyewear. Good eyewear. Very nice visuals. Mm. Which which is surprising coming from Tom Ford. (laughs) (laughs) Who Who the hell is that? And Colin Firth's best performance. I think he's absolutely brilliant in that. Yeah, he is good. All right. Christelle. Has everybody forgotten about Nightcrawler? Has has everybody forgotten about that film, guys? Come on, mate. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one that I think... Remember, he didn't, it got totally ignored at the Oscars. Like, What's yes. going on? Yeah. yeah, I really loved that film. It's a really good one. I'm surprised it's not on the list. When I look at what's on the list, I'm surprised it's not here. Um, as you said, the Mission Impossible films, mm-hmm. surprising. The comedy. Which Mission Impossible film, though? Fallout. Well, Fall, Fallout and um, what was it? Rogue Nation? Was yeah. a, that was also a very good one, I yeah, think. That was, I, a, that was a builder. Great action. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Something the random side of it, maybe something like the guest, which I really, yes. really, oh, really, love the guest. really loved. Love it was the guest. so it was funny and good. And um, 
uh, as we said, pops or as I said, pop star never stop, never stopping was is amazing. Please, please watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, Paddington. Um, I really, I don't know if anybody liked this one. I really, really enjoyed Hereditary. I that mm-hmm. film shook me. <laughs> I was surprised by that film and. I think if you want to put a horror on there and you want it to be prestige, you might as well put this one on because I really, really enjoyed that film. <laughs> and I'm surprised talking about all this Bond, maybe because of the way it ended and everything like this. There are no Bourne films on here, which I know oh. people are like, mm, maybe not. But I really, really love the Bourne films. I don't know if it's because Bond goes on and on, but Bond had to reinvent itself to kind of fit into more of that mould to that's be more relevant yeah. in um, these, these modern times. Born Supremacy for me would be the I one love, to stick in the list. I love those films so yeah. much. Um, so I was surprised that that wasn't at all in here, but we still got a lot of Bond. So um, anything else? Not, nothing else really. Oh, and I would have, um, for my Star Wars, I would probably have um, The Last Jedi on here yes. on the weekends um, it's much more it's a much more interesting film for me I'm not these wounds have only just healed Chris <laughs> I know but I, I I'm I'm not a, a crazy crazy Star Wars fan I think that was that's not my generation to be honest um, mm-hmm. so when I go I go and see these films because I have to go and see these films because they're Star Wars films but that was the one that was the most interesting and engaging to me and maybe they were going to do something different so I've I would probably rank it higher than The Force Awakens, even though it's Force Awakens does bring it back to what it should be. Um, I'd put that there on the list instead. It's always fascinating to see how these lists shake out. And I wonder if we do another one in 10 years' time for the 30 years oh, of the century so far, <laughs> whether Knives Out might make the list. Yes, mm. Or indeed, thinking, it's yeah. 14 sequels that the have made by that point. <laughs> yeah. Parasite, yeah. I think I think genuinely there are some ones in recent weeks. Um, Uncut Gems is one yeah. that I recently watch I've that. watched. And I watch again, that. I can tell when a film gets to me because it sticks in my mind and just the way that shot, it's... it's it's a weird one to recommend because it is a stress ball of a movie, but it's it's absolutely fantastic. So I'd be quite happy to see that on at some point. Uh, it's tough going after you guys because you picked so many good ones. <laughs> Moulin Rouge was the big one I was going to point out because I absolutely love that film. I'm surprised actually the Greatest Showman didn't make the list because that's yeah. a Ooh, I think it's a choice. terrible film, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not people done. love it. Yeah, but not those people board. don't like cinema, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're not listening to this. <laughs> you just, you've offended people, but it's fine because we're not listening. So okay. the big ones. I, I do not end. work for Empire. That's fine. <laughs> Jad has signed a disclaimer. That's all good. <laughs> uh, on the link later, uh, School of Rock is one that I adore um, from the, this period. It's on my long list. Uh, Ratatouille, as I say, is my personal favourite Pixar. Crimson Peak is probably my favourite GDT, or at least the one that I go back to the most. Um, I've written one down and spell checkers change it to baby doll. I don't know what I was trying to say there. Babadook. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> spell different. check strikes again. Um, yeah, because of, of the serious Babadook, lack of yes. horror on this list. So things like the Babadook, things like the witch, the oh. others as well, because I'm a sucker for a good ghost story. Yeah, the orphanage. Yeah. Um, so it, any of it those follows ones. maybe. Any, it follows, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh yes, Great film. yes, yes. So it yes, follows. It follows. So stick those guys on there. Um, and of course, Final Destination Two. <laughs> Final Destination Two as well. All the streaming DVD I hear is very good, very well produced. <laughs> if you can find it. Uh, so Snowpiercer is one I've only seen very recently because it's yeah. appeared on Netflix as well. So I'm coming on late to the Bong Joon Ho um, 
Van Globe. Parasite will definitely be on the list next time you do yeah. this yeah. list. Absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely will be. Uh, when that will be, I don't know. Will any of us still be around? Who knows? We'll all be wearing our DVD and Blu-rays <laughs> as our stab fests. Anyway, um, if we do still have podcasts next time we do, we do this thing, then uh, maybe you guys can come back and we can we can walk down memory lane <laughs> Old and decrepit. Old and decrepit. I remember films. <laughs> yeah, Knives Out 4 was when the franchise really went off the rails for me. Um, don't know which of you that's meant to be, but... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty damn good. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you for thank not you. being psychopaths and killing me either, quite frankly. I was slightly nervous about that. Not but it's yet. all good. <laughs> not yet. Oh, shit. I made you a tactical kill, error. Don't kill at the start of a podcast. That's a rookie error. <laughs> it makes for bad audio. Yeah, it has been an absolute blast. Uh, Luke Jones, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Chad Armstrong, thank you so much for joining us. Christelle Brewster, thank you so much for joining us. Got it right. Got it right that time. Yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, and uh, it's goodbye for me. I am off to watch Knives Out 2 I've got a little screener little sneaky screener of that it's a good one Benoit Blanc with a Bristol accent for some reason (laughs) no idea why but anyway thank you so much for listening hope you've enjoyed it bye bye bye